Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with Decrom. Cats and kittens are. This is Sports Coach with Decrom. I'm your host, David Cromelo, and we are less than one month away from the start of the 2021 NFL regular season. In that spirit, I decided to continue both our nonstop NFL coverage and our women in sports series in a single episode. And seriously, what better woman is there to do it with than my good friend, Allie Reddick, founder and president of Athlete Relations? It's so awesome to have you back here, Allie. How are you doing? Good. I'm excited to be back and talk some more sports with you. Indeed, Allie. And since your last appearance on this program, a lot has happened as more women in the sports world have knocked down many, many major barriers. Specifically in the NFL, we just saw the two highest ranked women scouting executives in league history with Catherine Rach of the Philadelphia Eagles and Kelly Klein of the Denver Broncos. When it comes to Kelly Klein, several people I know believe she will eventually become the first female GM in NFL history. Do you know or know of Kelly Klein? And if so, what kind of football mind did the Broncos get with her and what makes her so good at what she does? It's actually a good question. No. So I don't know her personally yet, but I was just um, speaking with another woman in sports that I'm really close with. And we were saying, and I was talking to you about this, but for the game that I'm going to be in Denver, hopefully being able to set up some time to sit down and chat with her and just kind of, you know, pick her brain as far as just being a woman in sports, like she's crushing it. And you are right. I mean, I think that there is every indication that she could be the first GM, which would be amazing. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I'm hoping that by the end of the year, we have that intro made, you know, in person and hopefully COVID stays or gets a little bit lower so we can have those in-person meetings and uh, kind of go from there. Absolutely, Allie. I totally hope you get that opportunity to meet Kelly Klein. I've heard nothing but outstanding things about her and she could be one of the major barrier breakers in the history of women and women in sports. And as I discussed on the previous episode with your good friend, Rebecca Carney, the most recent glass ceiling to be shattered by women in sports was just a few weeks ago, as we had the first ever all-female broadcast of a Major League Baseball game with Alana Rizzo, Lauren Gardner, Sarah Langs, Heidi Watney, and Melanie Newman. And shortly after, I began to wonder what such a lineup would look like for the first ever all-female NFL broadcast. In that spirit, I want you and I to come up with a hypothetical group of five women that would make the perfect team for such a monumental event. Who do you have in mind? Uh, that's a good one. Ooh, I like this. So I think you have to go with like the goat. You got to go Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Andrews. You can cut that if you need to. Aaron Andrews. Um, we were just talking about the Packers before this, so my mind is there. Um, so definitely Aaron Andrews. I think you got to go Chicago. You got to go Sarah Spain, obviously. Like, she's such a personality. Um, all right, so we're picking five. So I did two. Now you do two. I would easily nominate my good friend, Romy Bean, who you know of. Uh, she uh, uh, is one of the biggest football-savvy minds you'll ever meet. As she currently is a rock star as a sports anchor on the CBS Four Denver. She uh, knows some players that uh, you know as well. So you got some mutual friends within the NFL and uh, she is just amazing at what she does. She would be one of the two sideline reporters for the game. And I would also nominate Michelle Beisner Buck and please don't hold it against her that she's Joe Buck's wife. They've uh, been married, I believe since uh, 2014, uh, and uh, they have, they had uh, two uh, twin sons uh, together three years ago. They're now three years old. And uh, Michelle Beiser-Buck, like Romy Bean, began her career 
in the sports world as a cheerleader for the Denver Broncos. And both of them are now at the top of their profession, uh, not just uh, covering about sports, but covering human interest stories related to sports, uh, putting a more human touch on everything. And that's what I admire so much about Michelle and her reporting. She would be outstanding. So Romy Bean and Michelle Beisner would be my two nominations. I may be biased, but uh, they're, they're, they're great at what they do. That's awesome. I think that's a great lineup. Indeed. So Romy Bean, Michelle Beisner, and your two were Aaron Andrews and Sarah Spain. The fifth one, I think it would have to be Beth Mullins, who is excellent at play-by-play announcing. So, so Beth Mullins uh, would, would call the play-by-plays, and maybe uh, we'd put uh, Romy in the booth and have uh, uh, Michelle Beisner and Aaron Andrews on the sidelines. And they're both very good friends, by the way, because Aaron Andrews uh, spends the entire year with Joe Buck, and uh, Joe Buck is obviously married to Michelle Beisner, so that would be so fitting. And yeah. And yeah, so, so we got our lineup and uh, even more seriously, do you think we'll see an all woman telecast of an NFL game sometime this decade? I personally think it's inevitable. I would have to agree. I think that we're making big strides. And I think that, I mean, you and I just came up in what less than a minute of five very qualified women to be able to do it. Um, And there is obviously infinitely more. So I think it's very possible to see that within the next decade. Um, I think that we just got to keep moving in the right direction and, and make sure that it happens. Absolutely. And uh, I will do whatever I can in my position, even though it's not the most powerful position, I will do whatever I can to help make it happen. And in recent months, your business, Athlete Relations, has grown even more. In addition to signing more NFL clients, in what other ways has Athlete Relations expanded since we last had you on? So we've been really focused on just making sure that we're, we have a lot of really cool partnerships and making sure that those, you know, partnerships are all going to be just as beneficial post COVID. I think that the pre COVID, you know, world of sports and sports management is entirely different than the world of post COVID and making sure that we can keep up with, you know, the demands of the clients that we have. So yeah, we've gotten a few new clients since you and I spoke last, which is amazing, but we've also renegotiated all of our contracts with our partnerships and all of the deals that we're going to be able to get for our clients. So it's really grown in, you know, both of those spaces. Um, and physically we have an office now, which is really great. Um, so we have an actual space that we can, you know, work out of and be productive out of and, and all of those, you know, really good energy and vibes in one place. So, you know, it's grown in a lot of different ways for sure. I am very, very, very happy to hear that. And uh, this is a question I have asked all the women that have come on for our women in sports series during your time in the sports industry, have you ever felt mistreated solely because you're a woman? Unfortunately, yeah, I think you'd be hard pressed to find somebody that hasn't. And I think that it's more so just like being undervalued and like, they're so used to, you know, these boardrooms of just men that are sitting there and having these conversations. And that's who they're used to being around. I mean, I've literally been in a meeting where I, I was at, I'll never forget this. This is like one of the first experiences that I had with athlete relations on my own. And it wasn't unfortunately a good one, but I was in a meeting and I was meeting with one person who was amazing. And another person walked in and he, he's like, Oh, sorry to interrupt. I didn't mean to blah, 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 whatever. And I was like, Oh, no worries. I actually sent you an email, you know, talking about athlete relations. A few, I must've been a couple weeks ago at that point. Um, but I didn't hear back from you. So this is actually great timing. You can come in and listen. And he literally verbatim said, well, if I would have known you looked like this, I probably would have answered like, no, you probably should just answer the email because I have a really good business concept. So it's unfortunate, but things like that happen a lot. And it's, uh, it's just not a good feeling to know that that's what you're, 
you know, business and how your business grows. That's what it relies on. Like that shouldn't be it. Like my clients love me. My clients' families love me. The work that I do is really good. Like that should speak for itself. Like you shouldn't, I could be a black screen and you could never talk to me in person and it should be the exact same work. And it's just unfortunate that it doesn't happen. So we're just working on breaking those barriers and making sure that, you know, the work speaks for itself. And that isn't even an option afterwards. And as you know, Allie, one of the main reasons why I started doing this women in sports series on this podcast, in addition to our NFL coverage, is because I owe where I am today with this podcast a lot to all the women I've met in in the sports world. Because uh, seriously, every woman I've met within sports has empowered me and made me more self-confident than ever in who I am. And they are the reason why I do what I do and plow ahead with what I do. Before then, I I wasn't that self-confident at all, but women just gave me all the confidence in in the world and taught me how to love myself more. And that's why uh, with all the barrier breaking going on in sports right now, I am hosting this series, not just to thank women for putting me on the path I'm I'm on right now, but also to tell my fellow men that, hey, it is time to embrace the fact that we have a changing world. It's no longer a male dominated world right now. We have got to let our sisters take more and more and more and more control. And that's all there is to it. And it. Uh, so my second question is what can me and my fellow men do to create the best possible workplace environment for women, whether it be in sports or in any other field? I think at the end of the day, like it just comes down to like equality, right? Like we just want to be treated the same way. Like you would never walk into a meeting with another guy and say, I would have answered your email. If I knew you looked like this, you would have answered it because this is a good idea and a good business opportunity, or maybe you wouldn't, but it has nothing to do with the fact that like one of us looks one way and one of us doesn't. So it's like, just answer the email, (laughs) just treat us like you're having to have to deal with another person. And it's like, at the end of the day, if you just treat every person. And I know that you do, and you're so good with this and empowering women. But at the end of the day, it's like, as long as we're all given the same opportunities and when the opportunity arises that, you know, maybe that job or that position or that client is best served by a woman, like let her do it. You know, like if there is a GM position and Kelly Klein is available, let her do it. She's obviously going to be the best case scenario for that. So like, don't take things away from people just because they're women. It should be everybody should be able to apply for that position. Everybody should be able to pitch their company to that client, whatever it is, just making sure that that equal opportunity is there. Like that's all we're asking for. And for men to not be creepy, but that's just. (laughs) You said it, Allie, keep preaching that truth. And uh, back to the NFL. It is a rather exciting time to be a Chicago bears fan. You're obviously a big bears fan being from Chicago. And I root my heart out for the bears on 99.9% of Sundays, except for the rare occasion when they play the Denver Broncos. And I'm a nervous wreck when that happens because I have mixed emotions. I'm elated when the Broncos win and uh, I feel bad for all of you if the bears lose and vice versa, but seriously. The main reason for why bears fans should be over the moon right now is because they have for the first time in like forever, a potential young star quarterback in Justin Fields. Throughout most of the summer, I was beating the start Justin Fields in week one, no matter what drum, very, 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 very loudly. But last week during the episode I did with my good friend, Carl Dumbler, and through a brief Twitter chat with our good mutual friend, Paige Demakos, I have warmed up to the idea of the Bears having Andy Dalton start the first handful of games. And the main reason why is the current state of the Bears offensive line. It is a unit that is at the moment grossly 
unproven and inexperienced at both tackle spots. No offense to uh, Elijah Wilkinson, who's the swing tackle, but uh, Elijah, they definitely uh, believe they have uh, two better options and have Elijah vision as that swing tackle. And it's not ideal to start your swing tackle in any game for any NFL team. It doesn't just apply to Elijah, it applies to everybody in his uh, position around the NFL. And we saw what happened with Joe Burrow playing behind a crappy offensive line in Cincinnati during his rookie year last year. He took the ultimate beating. He eventually blew out his knee, multiple ligaments, and reports from Bengals training camp suggest that he still is not 100%. Considering all that, do you think it would still be the worst thing for the Bears to play Dalton for, say, just four games and then give the reins to Justin Field shortly thereafter? No, I think at the end of the day, too, right? Like, we're, we're playing a long game here. We're not just trying to, like, start Justin Fields week one through four, have him get injured and be like, okay, well, he proved himself. He did great. Like, what is the point in that, right? So, I know that Paige obviously drives that home. And I think in the beginning, I think we were all like throw Justin Fields in or else we're insane. But like, then you come down from this high of like, wait, we have a quarterback and you come back down to earth and you're like, okay, wait, is this really, you know, the smartest thing to do? And like I said, you have to play the long game, especially with young kids like that. Um, you know, it's their first year in the league. They have all this power. They have all this like conversation around them for lack of a better term. Like, I think that you need to, at some point, like, look at what's best for the entire team and the entire long game of, you know, the organization. And I, I do see why they would start Dalton first and then, you know, kind of ease fields into it later. Like, I think that we're, I don't think that they made a mistake by taking, you know, Andy Dalton when they did, I understand what they were doing. And I don't see that it would be an issue to start him first and then kind of get Justin Fields in later. Absolutely. And I'm personally not worried about Justin Fields because, uh, as I said with uh, my good friend Mark Schofield, who is one of the best uh, football minds on Twitter and an amazing mind when it comes to the quarterback position in particular, uh, he said that the Bears in Justin Fields, they're getting at least a more athletic version of Ryan Tannehill. And I'm talking about the Ryan Tannehill we saw the past two years with the Tennessee Titans posting over 100 quarterback rings both those years. Ryan Tannehill is a top 10 quarterback in the league right now. Bears fans should be thrilled that uh, Mark Schofield made that comparison uh, to uh, Ryan Tannehill. I think at the very least, he's going to be that level of quarterback, albeit better and more athletic with several Pro Bowls on his resume. I'm not worried about him. He should be fine at, and achieve that minimum at the very least. I am still very concerned about the Bears as an organization. And some of the moves Ryan Pace has made after drafting Justin Fields I just don't like, like he uh, got rid of Charles Leno at left tackle. Yes. He's far from the best left tackle in the game, but he's league average. And that's the best you can ask for in most cases these days. And he made a, an iffy situation a million times worse. And the bears are seeing that right now in training camp right now at, at the tackle position. It, it doesn't do any quarterback any favors, whether it be Andy Dalton or Justin Fields. And he refused to make a friendlier offer to Allen Robinson to keep him in Chicago long-term forcing Allen Robinson to stay on the franchise tag. And um, one of my prior guests, uh, Jacob Infante of Windy City Gridiron, and that is a must um, see website for all Bears fans. Uh, he said he was not optimistic about the Bears retaining Allen Robinson long-term. And if Allen Robinson walks away for nothing after this year, do you think Ryan Pace should be fired or become closer to being fired as he's ever been before? Because I think that is the most organizational malpractice act that he could commit with, especially with a new rookie quarterback in town under a rookie contract. No, hundred percent. I mean, the entire, the, you have to go back to, to like, remember, and I'm like more sensitive about this one. And I talk about it a lot, but remember the Jordan Howard situation, right? Like they toy with these guys and they make their contract 
and Jordan was a different situation than Alan with the franchise tag thing. But it's like, when you look at the way that they handle these kind of situations, it's like, who would want to stay in these situations? Like, I don't blame Jordan for being like, I mean, I like they let him go. Like he was hurt by that. I know that. I mean, I work with them and it's like, and then you go to Alan Robinson who like has been proving himself and doing great and definitely deserved it. And now he's not getting it. Like, why would you want to stay in these situations? Like, I don't blame them at all. So yes, to answer your question, I think that Ryan Pace should absolutely be considered to be fired if he doesn't handle that situation. That would be like strike a million, but like really like strike three. Exactly. And anybody who's saying that Ryan Pace has earned a big contract extension just because he drafted Justin Fields is absolutely out of their minds. All it buys him is a reprieve and a reprieve only. My dog could have drafted Justin Fields and been (laughs) praised for it. Like there's literally no, like, that's the most simple thing in the world. Like, I literally think that my five-year-old niece would be like, we should get a quarterback. Like, okay, great. Like, yes, we're really happy with it, but it's not rocket science. Like looking at things like franchise tags with Allen Robinson or like the way that Jordan Howard didn't fit in the offense. Like your offense is, what is your offense doing? He was what was helping your offense. So you're wrong, not him. You're wrong. Like great, you got a quarterback, but you messed up 15 other things in the way. And like, again, I'm pretty sure my five-year-old niece knows that we need a quarterback that's like football 101. So like, why are we praising you for this? Indeed, 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 indeed. And uh, let's... uh... Go out of the NFL for just a moment here. Today on your athlete relations account, you posted a moving tribute to Simone Biles. As you know, we both agree that what she did by speaking out about her mental health status and dropping out of one event in the Olympics because she felt mentally unwell was nothing short of courageous. Mm -hmm. And the blowback she got from many in the media accusing her of wimping out was absolutely disgusting. How much will what Simone Biles did shift the paradigm and how women in sports and women in general are perceived? And does the sick reaction of many to her decision not to participate in that event show you that too many of my fellow men are unfortunately desperate to not let our sisters take more control of the wheel? So, yeah, and it's a conversation. So I don't actually even run our social media. My interns do. And the fact that they even feel like confident enough to post, like I don't approve their stuff anymore. Like I know that they're posting, you know, I'll, I'll see it afterwards and, if there's ever something that I want to change, that's fine. But like the fact that they even feel comfortable enough posting that shows like, Hey, this is something that needs to be praised and needs to be talked about. And like, I think that it's amazing. And I think that people are critique that are critiquing her. Like, it's just mind blowing to me because I was a gymnast growing up. So like, I have no idea what she feels like in the extent of being an Olympian. I mean, I was the farthest thing from that, but like as far as like understanding, like, and I was talking to my mom about it a lot, actually, afterwards, my mom called me after the news came out that she was going to do it. And she's like, all I remember is you growing up, how much of a mental game being a gymnast is. And she's like, and I understand that every sport is like, you have to be in a good mindset and whatever, but like, you're literally throwing yourself upside down. Like if you're in a space where like, you can't focus or you're not in a good headspace to where you can't, you know, get your mind to be in a, like, focus on this and this only, like you should not be throwing yourself upside down 40 million times and doing all these different things. Like, and I'm sorry, but like anybody that like criticized her for it or didn't agree with it, like simply is ignorant. Like, that's the only word to say, like, you have no idea what you're talking about and you have no idea how it feels. So like you genuinely just like need to not talk about it. She is Allie Reddick, ladies and gentlemen, founder and president of Athlete Relations. Follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Ridiculous. That is R-E-D-I-G, her last name, U-L-O-U-S. Allie, thank you so much once again for joining us. But before we let you go, I want to make some NFL predictions with you, starting with 
the 2021 NFL most valuable player. Who do you think will win MVP in the NFL this season? Can I say Justin Fields or are we just not going to jive into that conversation? <laughs> uh, nope. Uh, uh, we have to think, uh, uh, we got to think better than that. <laughs> oh, that would be my vote. I'm just happy that he's here. That's a good question. I um, I honestly do think that the Bucks will go back to the Super Bowl. So I think that we've got a likelihood of, you know, them being involved in the um, MVP conversation as always. Um, but it will be interesting to see, you know, which there's a lot of new, really good rookies and a lot of changes on these teams. I mean, there was a lot that happened this off season. So really, I'm just going to like, keep it open. Like, I really don't know who's going to end up being, I mean, there's always the obvious answers of course, but I want to leave it open. Like I want to see which one of these, you know, rookies of the year come out and which one of these, you know, guys that have been in the league for a while are really going to have like standout years. And, um, I'm just going to like vote for like Justin Fields and Shelby Harris and keep all of my biases right in the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> Broncos and Bears fans would definitely love that. But, uh, with, uh, your friend Courtney Collard, when she was on this program just a month or so ago, we both agreed that Josh Allen is going to be the 2021 NFL MVP. Josh Allen, Very I, I met him at the senior bowl and coming into the NFL, almost everybody that works for the draft network and every major um, organization news outlet on draft Twitter thought that Josh Allen would be a mega bus coming to the NFL. He just yep. didn't look despite his raw athletic athletic gifts. He just didn't look like a bona fide NFL quarterback, but he has proven all of us wrong. I am so proud of him. And it was just a joy last week to hear that the bills gave him a historic yeah. uh, blockbuster contract extension. And I think Josh Allen is still more motivated than ever to prove that he's not only worthy of money, but to continue proving everybody wrong. And I think he takes it to the next level this year and takes home that 2021 NFL MVP award. So we'll go with Josh Allen. What about I 2021 NFL offensive player of the year? Uh, it's a good question. I think that I think there's going to be a lot of really good offensive guys this year, but I gotta say maybe Alvin Kamara that's like sticking out to me. I think that there's a lot that can happen with him this year. I think that last year, I mean, he had like, what was it like a six touchdown game or something? Um, insane. I think that he, I think that he's growing a lot. I also think that I hear a lot about it being in new Orleans. Um, but I think that he could definitely be a good one. Absolutely. And for that record, that six touchdown game cost me my fantasy championship last year. So no. thanks for reminding me, but yeah. I will actually stay with the running back here, but I'm going to go with Derek Henry. Derek Henry is the rare breed that the more carries he gets, the stronger he gets. He has led the league in rushing the past two seasons. And with Julio Jones and AJ Brown now distracting defenses away from him, the running lanes are going to be wider than ever for Derrick Henry this year. I think he is going to be your 2021 NFL offensive player of the year. So now on to the 2021 NFL defensive player of the year. Ooh, defensive. Um, Aaron Donald, maybe. Uh, yeah, Aaron Donald has won it several times already, I believe. And it's not a surprise because Aaron Donald might be the best player in football, period, right now, even more than Patrick Mahomes. And that's what I'm thinking. That's why I'm saying it so, like, confused because I'm like, is there anybody that's really going to beat him that I, I, I can't think of the top of my head? But I think that's, I mean, maybe what, Miles Garrett? But I feel uh, like Aaron Donald's going to do that again, right? Yeah, Miles Garrett is definitely one that could uh, um, uh, 
could beat out Aaron Donald this year. Also, uh, TJ Watt of the Pittsburgh Steelers is another good one. And Chase Young of the Washington football team. Fred Warner of the 49ers. Absolutely. There's so many good defensive players. But if I had to pick uh, somewhat of a dark horse to eclipse Aaron Donald for that honor, it would be Chase Young because he's in his second year in that defense. And that defense has only gotten better on the backside with the addition of rookie Jamin Davis linebacker and William Jackson, the third in the, in the secondary, uh, they're going to give him more time to get to the quarterback. So, uh, and with the Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and Montez sweat, uh, with him on that defensive line, easily the best defense in football, Chase Young would be my pick for 2021 NFL defensive player I of like the year. dark horse though I liked that that was my Alvin Kamara pick I wanted to have just like a random one that nobody else probably said so you know what you're not wrong yeah so so we're going with Chase Young for our 2021 NFL defensive player of the year Perfect. now on to the rookies the 2021 NFL offensive rookie of the year and you can pick Justin Fields here if you want <laughs> I would love to pick Justin Fields here but I feel like it's got to be Trevor Lawrence right like no question I mean I think that's the obvious answer but I think that that's going to be the winner yeah, Trevor Lawrence is a very good pick. I wouldn't be surprised if Trevor Lawrence just hits the ground running very smoothly in Jacksonville. And given all the troubles the Colts are having, he puts the Jaguars in excellent position to win that division this year because of their soft schedule and because of his uh, immense talent. But there is another rookie quarterback not named Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields that's turning heads right now in training camp. And that is Trey Lance of the San Francisco 49ers. He is just lighting it up. People are comparing what he's doing to the 49ers, second and third stringers in training camp to what Russell Wilson was doing to the Seahawks second and third stringers as a rookie back in 2012 it's only a matter of when the 49ers put him on the field I think it's going to be sooner rather than later and him and that Kyle Shanahan offense with that amazing offensive line in front of him with George Kittle Debo Samuel Brandon Ayuk all those weapons in that running game and how you could uh, use all those design runs with him Trey Lance would be my pick for NFL offensive rookie of the year aside from Trevor Lawrence right now so it's either Trevor Lawrence or Trey Lance for 2021 NFL offensive rookie of the year what All about right. our 2021 NFL defensive rookie of the year? Um, NFL defense, did you say? Yeah, NFL defensive rookie of the year. Oh, defensive rookie. Um, that was, who did we say? Caleb Farley, I think is my answer. Or Micah Parsons. Yeah, you picked Caleb Farley or Micah Parsons, but Courtney Collard picked a Patrick Sertan of my Denver Broncos to win that honor because as you know, knowing Shelby Harris, the Denver Broncos may have a top five defense this year. Uh, that front is amazing with Von Miller, Bradley Chubb coming off the edge and Shelby and Draymond Jones, a rising superstar interior pass rusher uh, rushing from the inside. And that secondary looks stacked with Kyle Fuller, Bryce Callahan, two former Bears. Bears fans know them well. Ronald Darby coming over and add in Patrick Sertan, Vic Fangio being the amazing defensive mind that he is, he is going to put him at multiple positions and given uh, the intelligence uh, that Patrick Sertan has coming out of that Nick Saban system, he's been able to pick up the playbook super, super fast. They've been raving, 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 raving about him in training camp. Patrick Sertan is definitely um, a strong candidate for defensive rookie of the year, but if there's a dark horse, I would go with Jalen Phillips, the defensive end for the Miami Dolphins. Many people thought that he was the best defensive player in this draft class period, and he only fell because of his checkered injury history. 
but Jalen Phillips, uh, he could have a monster rookie season rushing the passer from the edge for the Miami Dolphins. And another one to consider, Jamin Davis, the linebacker that I mentioned for the Washington football team. He could rack up 120-plus tackles easily behind that elite defensive line. So it's wide open for NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. So many great candidates, so we'll just leave that blank for now. And what about NFL Comeback Player of the Year in 2021? It's obviously hard to top what Alex Smith did last year, but uh, who wins the new Alex Smith NFL Comeback Player of the Year award this year? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with probably Nick Boza, right? Oh, Nick Boza would be a tremendous candidate. Uh, I think that's my answer. I think yeah, that's going with. Absolutely. Nick Bosa. And I think the guy that's uh, equally as possible to win that honor is Dak Prescott uh, because of Dak oh, uh, yeah. going uh, back with that offense with CeeDee Lamb in his second year in the NFL now. Uh, throwing to him, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup and uh, having Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard in the backfield at an offensive line that is going to be much improved because of health alone. Uh, Dak, I think, uh, is one of those front runners along with Nick Bosa for that honor. So we'll go either Nick Bosa or Dak Prescott for NFL Comeback Player of the Year Award in 2021. And how about the coach of the year in the NFL in 2021? That's got to be Kyle Shanahan, right? Like he dominated the draft. I feel like it's I mean, between all the conversations we just had every single time San Francisco came up. Right. I mean, I feel like that's just like your for sure answer. Um, So that that's my guess for sure. Kyle Shanahan, that's definitely a possibility if uh, Trey Lance uh, starts off uh, running hot and uh, continues that way throughout the season and leads the 49ers on a deep playoff run, if not to a Super Bowl, that's uh, how great their potential is. But I'm going to go with the dark horse here. Brandon Staley, the new head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers and it uh, depresses me a little bit as a Broncos fan but he is from the Vic Fangio system uh, he cut his teeth under Vic Fangio as a, an assistant coach as an outside linebackers coach both with the Bears and the Broncos was defensive coordinator for the Rams last year and he used that amazing job he did last year to get a head coaching job with the Los Angeles Chargers and he doesn't have the best uh, the best personnel on defense so to speak outside of Joey Bosa but he and Vic Fangio are guys that have a reputation that they could make something out of nothing with what they have personnel-wise. And the Chargers, even though they're not the most talented defense in the NFL, they definitely are more than something. And I think uh, Brandon Staley is going to get the utmost out of them. And uh, with Justin Herbert, a quarterback headed into his second year, he will probably be even better because of the improved offensive line they have in front of him. And uh, I'm not sure they get by the Chiefs because the Chiefs made their own improvements, but they have the potential to give the chiefs a serious run for their money all the way through late December. And uh, Brandon Staley would be my serious uh, dark horse favorite for 2021 NFL coach of the year. And last but not least, who will face off in super bowl 55 or super bowl 56 rather, and who will win super bowl 56. I think we should throw the 49ers in there. Now we've been talking about them so highly. I feel like we should put the 49ers in. I mean, it's not unlikely. Um, but no, I think the Bucks obviously have a great chance again. Um, I would probably say those are probably the top two that I would say have the best chance of going to the Super Bowl. Um, I don't know, maybe the Bills will have like a little run or something this year. Uh, I don't know. I really, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how these kids play out with all these new, like great rookies. But I think that 
I mean, the Bills have a very likely chance with all of this going on. And Josh Allen, like we were just talking about, I think that I think that the, they have a great chance. I unfortunately am not sure my Bears are quite there yet. Um, I don't know if my Broncos are quite there yet either. I don't know if uh, there's a few teams that I think could still have some work to do for sure that I would love to see go, but they're not quite there yet. But I, I do think that those three have, you know, a chance for sure. Yeah, for the NFC, the 49ers are definitely the uh, team not to sleep on. But the two teams that have a better chance of reaching the Super Bowl than them at the moment are, yes, the Bucs and the Green Bay Packers, especially with this likely being Aaron Rodgers' final year in Green Bay. I know it pains you. It pains me as well as a Bears fan. But but there's something to be said about this potentially being the last stance for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and those guys at Green Bay. There's a chance that they play their hearts out this year to make one more attempt at a championship before Aaron Rodgers or whoever uh, leaves. So uh, those would be my two picks for the NFC at the moment, but I will go with the Packers just because that idea of the last dance kind of appeals to me, but they will go to the Super Bowl and play the Kansas city chiefs and the new offensive line in front of Patrick Mahomes will save the day this time as the Chiefs win in a shootout over the Packers in Super Bowl 56. And after that, Aaron Rodgers goes to the Broncos and bears the Broncos fans party and live happily ever after. How about that? There you go. There's the move. I didn't even think about saying the Chiefs obvious answer, but um, I, I just, I can't wrap my head around the Packers going and doing anything good. <laughs> Allie Reddick, thank you so much once again for joining us. And that's it for today here on Sports Crush. But we'll be back with more of our nonstop NFL coverage as well as our Women in Sports series. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to follow Allie on Twitter and Instagram at Ridiculous. That's R-E-D-I-G-U-L-O-U-S. You can also follow me on Twitter at DCROM59 and Instagram at Sports Crunch with DCROM. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. For Allie Redding, this is David Cromwell saying so long, stay awesome, stay safe, stay sane. If you haven't done so yet, please get your COVID-19 vaccine. I promise you that it will help save your life. Take care, cats, kittens, and stay cool.